How are you? How is moving? Ugh, the worst. Moving's the worst. I hate know. it. I hate it. It's so stressful. Um, hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm sorry your life is falling apart, but you're very good at Halloween Advent costumes. I'm going to shower you in compliments this episode. <laughs> okay, thanks, because I don't have a costume for tonight, and I don't have any clothes here, so. <laughs> that's okay we i will um i have one set of demon wings that i've been putting on my cats and i actually put on shadow and took off so fast because i felt so bad he hate he didn't even get to the stage of hating them because he didn't understand what was happening and he just looked so sad because he just he i think he thought he was paralyzed like he just <laughs> like hunkered on the ground and then he started to like slither on the ground he wouldn't stand up oh no (laughs) and he just like looked at us so sadly I was like you have never looked so sad even after we pulled you off the streets you didn't look that sad oh poor little guy yeah so Shadow will not be getting wings anymore uh I really want to put them on Murphy because she's such a fucking diva but I don't think she'll let me so I think Franklin (laughs) Franklin is gonna get some wings so yeah, I I also bought some wings, but they're like children's wings. They're not animal <laughs> wings, so they're not. They don't really fit. Like I think they could if I like shortened the straps, but so far they're not. They're not cat sized yet. <laughs> so they're yours are too big. I think mine are too small because the ones that I have like I think cut too short under their little armpits, and I think that's why oh. they freak out. Oh, yeah. I think that makes them think that they can't walk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Shadow that... definitely thought he couldn't walk. Yeah, for sure. That happens when I tighten Chuni's harness too tight, too. He, like, gets that weird, like, well, I can't use my legs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly wish that I could be as committed to, like, just, I don't know the right way to phrase it, but, like, you know, I feel like there's always, like, a level of, like, oh, God, I have to problem-solve my way out of this. But they just, like, Shadow literally was, like, oh, I, I can't walk now. I just, this is over. I'm just going to lay here. <laughs> like, I wish I had the same commitment to being, like, someone else figure this out for me. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice right now if I could just, like, flop on the floor and wait for someone <laughs> to find me. <laughs> Move all my stuff. I mean, I guess if, you know, during your move, if you did just flop on your old apartments floor your landlord would have to come take you out at some point <laughs> <laughs> or just keep charging me oh well I guess that's true yeah yeah I mean honestly that's kind of what mom's doing I'm just like floundering a little bit and she's like let me come up to Baltimore every other day until you're gone <laughs> mm, what a good mom yeah you also you guys might have also seen um the picture of our dad with Chuni in a <laughs> set of drawers. Well, a set of drawers, not like, not like boxer briefs. 
<laughs> like an actual dresser drawer. <laughs> like a dresser drawer. Yeah, he was trying to, because that's the dresser drawer that I had. Um, I put legs on and turned it into like a little like standing cat bed. Oh, and so he was taking the legs off so that we could move it, and Chuni just hopped in because he was like, "What are you doing with my bed?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi. Would you like to move oh, me hi. to? We've actually been. Um, we got a new couch from one of our neighbors, oh. and so now we have a cat couch that is very destroyed and full of cat hair, and like a nice Gross. fancy new couch. Um, but we just were moving stuff around in our apartment all day yesterday. And of course, the cats immediately were like, oh, my God, there's something new happening. I have to be on all of these items. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we just kept like, yeah, that just reminded me because like at one point, Shadow was on top of one of the couches and Franklin was under the same couch. And we were like, we have to move this couch and you guys cannot be on either. I guess we yeah. should be on top. but <laughs> You guys both need to move. Get out of here. Get out of here. Oh, Mushu. Moshu making a podcast appearance. Moshu is making a podcast appearance. I've been worried about Moshu. He knows when moving is happening. And so oh. I haven't seen him out from under the bed in like three days. <laughs> I know they can definitely tell. Well, he's moved with me like at least eight times. <laughs> oh, what a veteran. <laughs> so he knows. It's like as soon as I start packing, he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like not again <laughs> oh but he is such a good ish yeah no he actually is he's like the best he's the best like moving and traveling buddy because he just kind of like hunkers and stays in one place <laughs> so he gets like terrified during the move and so you can just kind of like pick him up and like sit him in a little like blanket in the closet and he'll just stay there until everything's gone and then you can just pick him up and take him to the new place (laughs) I actually was I was thinking yesterday I was like oh god if and when John like and I ever move out of this place that's gonna be such a nightmare with our cats because our cats have only ever been in this apartment like they go to the vet and that's it and they were like the way they were freaking out about like just us rearranging two couches <laughs> was like you guys this could be way worse <laughs> yeah chuni has been kind of an asshole about the move because every time I open the door he bolts <laughs> so it's had oh some, come on man I know so it's like one of those like I have a teeny tiny little like narrow staircase with like my door at the top and the door to outside at the bottom so I have to like open my door let him bolt like take two things out at a time because that's all I can fit into the hallway go down and get him throw him back in close the door and like (laughs) then move those two things down so it's like trying to get through I feel like it's like you see that on TV when it's like people trying to get into like a safe house or like a, <laughs> like those like quarantined areas where you have to go like go in, shut the door, like be sterilized and then go through another door. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the quarantined hallway where Chuni has to like run free and then get shoved back in the apartment. <laughs> we did just watch um, Alien last night. We're on our like horror movie kick for uh, Halloween. And so we watched Alien, which has a cat in it. Which yeah. is great. Um, someone described that movie to me. Well, I think it was someone online maybe actually described that movie as uh, 
no one listens to smart woman and only smart woman cats survive. So I appreciated <laughs> that. That is pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, that was me. <laughs> oh, was it you? <laughs> LOL. Oh, it was you online. It was both. It was two things. Yeah, it was the, the, I posted that on Instagram. It was like someone's Twitter post that I reposted on my newsfeed. Oh, LOL. <laughs> I wonder if that, subconsciously, that must be why. Because I even was the one that was like, oh my God, we have to watch Alien last night. I subconsciously was like, that was in my brain. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's funny. I've actually never seen Alien, but I thought that was like such a funny post that I had to, I had to. Had to share and so cat related i mean yeah so great oh but the quarantine thing made me think of that there's like a part the whole that actually probably where that quote that uh online meme is coming from is that one of the biggest places where alien is great it's such a good movie and like one of the moments where it really is like sigourney weaver is like the smartest of all of them and if people had listened to her no one like one person probably would have died and so it's like this one part, basically a quarantine, this like group goes out onto this planet, comes back, and she's the one who has access to the door controls. And so she's like, what's happening? Are you guys, they're like, let us in. And she's like, um, I don't think so. Like, what's happening to you guys? Don't we need to quarantine you guys? And they're like, no, that's stupid. Let us in. And she's like, <laughs> okay, no, there's like a thing like on top of someone's face. Like, no, you guys are getting quarantined. This other fucker goes and opens the door because he's like closer to the door she's like in the control room and she's like great well now we're all fucked for the next 90 minutes (laughs) until everyone but me and my cat dies (laughs) yeah except until spoiler alert everyone except her and the cat die oh god yes but that movie is great if you guys haven't seen it it's really good and jonesy the cat is uh if if you do need the i mean we've already said but if you do need the spoiler that the cat survives the cat survives i do need that spoiler (laughs) i know i do too although it's funny that we're reading a book now about like a cat that has now died and is like yeah i mean possibly just a zombie and uh maybe that's a good segue into the book though somewhat clunky (laughs) yeah a little clunky but that is a pretty good segue and i must say i did I did read a few spoilers for oh. Pet Cemetery because I like couldn't handle the suspense of not knowing when or how the cat was gonna die. But oh, it really okay. wasn't it wasn't that bad. Like I was expecting it to be like a long, drawn out, like traumatizing thing, but it, it really it wasn't that bad of a scene. And I have to say this might be the cat lady in me, but like I am not connecting with any of the characters, and I'm like a thousand percent team zombie cat. Like they're just being mean to him. <laughs> yes. Oh my god! I literally just ranted to John last night about how I do not trust Louis Creed, how I am a hundred percent on Team Church, and how I think I would become. I would. I would love having a zombie cat. Like I think yeah. I would get used to him. And they're really drumming up this whole thing of like. Ooh, Lewis doesn't want to touch him. Lewis fucking kicks him at one point. And I'm like, hello, he's still a cat. What is wrong with you? That's the part where I was like, oh, fuck this guy. Because honestly, like, okay, fine. The cat comes back, like, smelly and gross and, like, a little creepy. (laughs) But this is, like, when he kicks church, it's honestly, like, six months later. He's like, oh, we've gotten used to him. And then church, like kills a crow and he's like fucking cat and like kicks him i'm like okay but like my cats kill 
birds all the time. Like, that's not a creepy zombie cat thing. You're just, like, punishing him for being a normal cat. Well, I have two theories. Yes, 100%. I have two theories on it. I think... Oh, also, by the way, welcome to Paranormal Captivity. (laughs) (laughs) We're reading Pet Cemetery. (laughs) We're reading Pet Cemetery, and we are about to rant and rave about characters we don't like and per our um on brandness is that a term we could use um we are probably about to rant about how much we love church and how i hope that this fucker doesn't kill him again like he had a dream about killing him again because i think he probably does he's like it's pet cemetery he's like the bad guy the cat is they make him into the i think i don't know i actually haven't read the book so i mean or seen the movie so <laughs> oh or the movie i was like you actually yes. haven't read the book that's, that's what i used I, I actually haven't seen the movie <laughs> um well my other theory is so i do think so okay i have a, a lot of thoughts as you can tell they're all like coming out of my mouth at the same time um So my first thought reading this section, so we read chapters 21 through 33. Mm -hmm. And halfway through the section, I was like, okay, Stephen King is a great fucking author. I also wonder how I would connect to any of these characters if a woman had written it. And like, not even just to play that card, but also be like, this is written from a very male perspective. And like, I wonder if I would have connected with the main character if I like if it was written for me too, if that makes any sense. Because I really don't connect with any of the characters except for Church. But my second theory then is that I do think that Lewis is supposed to be a little bit unreliable because he's being called in to the cemetery. And I think in the same way that the the writing even has this question like Judd at the beginning of like, and even like as in this section as they're like burying Church and whatnot, if like they're making the right decision or whatever. I wonder if the whole thing is supposed to be like, you're not necessarily connecting to these characters because I don't know, because they have like a weird hold on them that you don't quite understand. You're just like watching the horror of it. I'm not really sure. Those were my thought, my like main thoughts. Cause you're right. I'm the same exact way. I felt like I'm not connecting to any of these characters. And yes, I'm a hundred percent team zombie cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it is maybe just the, male perspective because I mean Lewis is like logical at some points but like also kind of an asshole but the way his wife is written she's just like kind of obnoxiously crazy yeah and I feel like she has legitimate like issues that she needs to work out and that she like does kind of talk through at this point like at the end of this section in the book but even the way she did it was like kind of obnoxiously crazy and I, I feel like that, like, if it, you're right, if it had been written from a woman's perspective, I think we would probably relate to at least her a little bit better. Because she mm-hmm. does have, like, a more, I guess, human slash, like, compelling story than Lewis does. That's true, actually. You're right. Yeah, she has a much more interesting story than Lewis does. Yeah, he's just kind of like a a boring asshole but she at least has some like depth to her but it does come off as crazy (laughs) right and like we don't get to know that until this section which is literally halfway through the book like this Mm -hmm. section kind of ends on her um sort of a little spoiler alert but we do get the full story of um we've said in 
in the previous section that she is kind of death averse. Um, she's set up as like not going, not taught. They got in a huge fight about um, Ellie even just questioning if church will die one day. Like she's very like, you know, protective of her feelings around the, the issue of death. And is you're right, like in that fight, she's made to seem very unreasonable. And I think I even said that in the last episode, mm-hmm. which I kind of take back now, because even seeing her backstory, it's like, oh, well, yeah, of course she would react that way. We just didn't know, you know? Right. Yeah. Which is interesting. I felt like. Yeah. But I think there was there the way it's like, even the way it's written, even though it is like a more interesting and like totally makes sense and has like a more you know she has a more compelling like origin story like even the way I think it's it's written I still didn't connect with it I yeah I agree should we go back through I feel I just had the sense that we were talking about a lot of things we hadn't told people about yet (laughs) yeah for sure sorry everyone so we left off last time I just double checked uh we left off right at that point where uh right they had had a fight lewis and rachel had had a fight um norma had had a big um cardiac event she had passed out while ellie was trick-or-treating on halloween and lewis had rushed in and saved her and so the very last little tidbit we get is that lewis thinks that victor pascal is coming back in his like dream not dream we're not sure situation and then he opens the door and no one's there um, and so we start this section with Lewis uh, calling in to check on Norma, and it turns out she's doing fine now. Doing great. Yeah. She has made a recovery, although we do get pretty early in this section a very, like, spooky sentence that was like, she was doing great, blah, blah, blah. Um, actually, I think this is a little bit later, but it does. at one point Lewis is, like, having beers with... Um, Judd and Norma after Norma gets back from the hospital and it's like and this was like nine months or uh, uh, nine weeks before like a cerebral accident would kill her on the spot and it was like just there and gone and we don't get anything else about it but then we get this like weird one sentence premonition that Norma will die very soon which uh, she spoiler alert she did <laughs> yeah that's true. Spoiler alert, that sentence was correct. Um, <laughs> yeah. Actually, so we that can... was the, the last thing that happened at the end of this section. So full full circle. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're going a little out of work. You know what I feel like we're doing? I feel like we're kind of spiraling. Like we have like, you know, we're kind of doing in a good way, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. Someone can tell us. Um, I feel like we're kind of talking about the end. Oh, the beginning. Talk- we're making little spirals <laughs> into the center where we will meet ourselves. <laughs> Or we will meet Zombie Church. <laughs> oh, I would love to meet Zombie Church. Zombie Church, meet us there. Yeah. This hasn't re-killed you by then. Ugh. Yeah. Right. Ugh. Um. So, yeah, what's next? Yeah. So, I think, I mean, there really wasn't, like, a whole lot of events other than the whole, like, death-rebirth cycle I feel like church died pretty early in this section. I think you're right. Yeah. Because it was, they do. Stephen King does a lot of like 
really beautiful prose in between the like main like holidays it seemed like because we go pretty quickly from Halloween and then into Thanksgiving where Mm -hmm. all the main events of this section really take place um yeah yeah, I think you're right I think that's really it until we get to Thanksgiving which Mm -hmm. starts with um Lewis sending his family off to we start to see a little bit of weirdness between Lewis and Rachel's dad who we don't meet her parents but Lewis sends his family with you know Rachel and the kids to Rachel's families for Thanksgiving and he doesn't go like very pointedly (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so we get we do get a little bit of backstory there I can't remember why I mean was it just because he was like was it before he was in med school yeah it was before he was in med school it was um one of those very like it felt like very like cinematic tv drama type situations where apparently lewis no rachel's dad really didn't like lewis and so he one night um brought him brought lewis into his study and kind of acted like all giddy and happy and was like lewis was like oh great we're getting along this is great but then rachel's dad pulls out his checkbook and is like, I will pay for your med school if you break up with my daughter. And Lewis was like, oh, so you're a shitty person. (laughs) Yeah, but I can't remember why her dad didn't like him that much. Oh, yeah, I guess they don't go into detail beyond that. I think we get it from Lewis's perspective, which again, I don't trust, but there Mm. was a little couple sentences where Lewis himself kind of expounds on why he thinks Rachel's dad doesn't like him or didn't like him from the beginning because now it's kind of solidified in the like they hate each other for they don't even care anymore why they Mm -hmm. hate each other but he said that initially he thought that it might have been that he was quote from the wrong side of the tracks or Mm -hmm. that he thought that he was going to flunk out of med school and like not do well and I think there was like one other thing but those were the two things that like really stuck with me Mm -hmm. um that, you know, maybe it was just a, you know, personality conflict. Yeah, it does seem like after that, Lewis was like, and I'm never talking to your parents again. So that's why they're, yeah. he's not going to Thanksgiving with them. So he's sending all three of them away. They're all, all three going on a plane together, which kind of sucks for Rachel that she has to take two small children on a plane by herself. I, especially from they make it sound like there's like, a smaller airport that they fly out of in Maine and then they fly to Logan and then they fly to Chicago. So like that's a lot of traveling with small yeah. children. Yeah, no, that sucks. And so Lewis sends them off and then he has plans to go to Judd and Norma's for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. um, which he does. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that same day, isn't it? On Thanksgiving at church, guys? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's after dinner. He like has a nice dinner with them and you know they have the whole like thanksgiving and it seems pleasant did we even like have conversation there no i don't think we even get that in a scene if we just get it as as him rehashing it from his house as he's like you know kind of he's had a few beers and he's like kind of snoozing i think Mm -hmm. um he's taking a nap and uh has fallen asleep after a couple beers and all of the turkey and, you know, everything that they've had. But, right. yeah, I don't think we got it actually as a scene. Yeah, well, sometime later that evening, Judd 
calls him and was like, hey, so uh, hope this isn't your cat, but there's a cat on our front lawn and he definitely is deceased, been hit by a car. Can you come check this out? Yes. Uh, identify um, the body identify the body so oh. I guess like in, in that sense it is like a little painless we don't get the actual death scene we just get like we found the body um, which like that's the part that I was worried about I was like oh god yes. he's gonna have like you know accidentally like let it out and he's yeah. gonna be chasing after it or like i don't know he's then we're gonna have to like watch it happen like in slow motion yeah. um, i was worried about being traumatized but this is i mean not not too unusual i think for unfortunately finding animals that have been hit by car no you're totally right and i wonder if that's why i wonder if it's like kind of more he wrote it kind of more realistic too. We already know from the intro that you read that it's a lot of this is based on things that have happened to him. And so I wonder if maybe that's how that happened to him. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, you're right. I think that kind of perspective is sometimes accurate than right. Something that's a little bit more dramatic. I also noticed that, Oh, you're right. I was so nervous about some big, huge, long scene. And it was a relief at first to be like, Oh, thank God he's already dead. Like we don't have to like watch him. Or, like, you know, in our imaginations, like, read him getting hit by a truck. And Lewis, like, dramatically, or even Ellie, like, dramatically watching it. But what we mm-hmm. do get instead are those, like, small, horrific details of, like, you know, the neck, the specific neck, how his neck feels, and how he pulls up the uh, church's tail and, like, frosted to the ground. So it, like, rips out of the ground. And, like, it, like, makes sense in some ways that, like, we didn't get the like emotional horrific from the beginning because we got some like we got a little bit of cat body horror I think yeah no for sure I mean it is dealing with the dead body so it is you know the rig mortis has set in this has definitely happened like a a handful of hours ago yeah it's very sad um it is so sad but um yeah I don't even think there was a break in between Mm -hmm. I think Lewis was kind of like, oh, God, I don't know, like, how am I going to tell Ellie? She was so upset about Church, like, potentially dying, and now here he is. Mm-hmm. And Jed was mm-hmm. like, hmm, I can help you with that. Yeah. <laughs> I have a place we can go. Yeah. And he did, he explained nothing. <laughs> no. He just said he really did put some emotional guilt onto uh, Lewis in that moment because he basically says like, because Lewis has already come up in his mind with the idea that he's going to put Church in the garage and then he's going to go bury him in the pet cemetery the next day and put a marker and, you know, be able to take Ellie back to that. He was like, I can't, I can't do this right now. Plus, it's so cold and it is like about to be night that he was like, I don't even think we could dig in the ground right now anyway because it's so cold. Yeah, um, which is he, logical. Yeah, he also comes up with like a secondary plan because he was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to tell her. And then he was like, I wonder if I could just like take Church's body, bury him in the pet cemetery and then not tell anyone. And we'll just say he disappeared. Cats disappear all the time. Like maybe he just like, you know, goes away and we'll never know. It'll be a mystery and no one will have to know that he's dead. Um, That's true. When he was planning like the call the next morning that he was going to have where he was going to say like, oh, I haven't seen church all day. You know, he's going to kind of act 
like mm-hmm. you know oh he was just here but I haven't seen him in a while or you know whatever yeah um, which honestly he did totally do that's true he did <laughs> like, do a version that, of that yeah, yeah. Like, that, that's what he he went with like in between like we'll we'll get there but he does have a phone call with Rachel and Ellie and Gage in between burying church and the the resurrection scene where he has no idea what's going on and he totally went with the like oh yeah I haven't seen church today plan so like I think he was gonna go through with that one I think he was gonna chicken out yeah no, I think so too, because we've already established too from the uh, the whole um, muddy feet in the in the bed incident that he is a very good liar, and he has surprised himself with how good he is at lying and how much he seems to enjoy it too, mm-hmm. like getting away with it almost. Um, so yeah, we definitely got a little bit of that in this too. Um, but oh yeah, we forgot to mention back to Judd in that moment, they're standing over, um, church's body. Lewis even already has a trash bag. So he has put church's body into the trash bag and Judd just basically is like, all right, here's what we're going to do. You're going to follow me. And Lewis is like, no, no, you know, basically gives him a couple. It's kind of like, no, but not right now. And Lewis mm-hmm. and uh, Judd is like, do you love your daughter? <laughs> Which is the ultimate guilt trip. And Lewis right. is like, yeah, of course. And Judd's like, well, then you'll follow me. So they, I actually was a little bit surprised. I thought the pet cemetery itself was the magical place, but there, but it makes sense because remember last episode, we get that like crazy dream, not dream from Victor Pascal saying, don't break the barrier. Mm. And we basically get Judd and Lewis, they walk up, they reach the pet cemetery and then Judd points to the tree, the big tree that, is um the bone tree yeah oh the bone tree (laughs) um yeah he points to the bone tree and he's like we're going past that and to be just like you know very ingrown very roots everywhere branches everywhere like um brambly but apparently it's very easy to cross if you decide to like if you have decided that you're just gonna do it then it's not a problem um because it's almost got like a magical quality to it as they walk over it um lewis is even like somehow church feels lighter um yeah their walk past this tree is given like a magical sense and like as they're doing it lewis is even thinking back to vision of victor pascal and he was basically saying like there's no beating around this bush this is a barrier yeah yeah so there's apparently what we discover is that another so this is already the pet cemetery is already a mile up from both Judd and Lewis's houses and then the second cemetery is another three miles past that so they hike forever um yeah and it's not three miles of like nice hiking it's three miles of like gross like creepy swamp with Judd was like, there's gonna be some weird like animal noises. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Shit. I and Lewis was like, that. wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they pass some like right after they pass the tree, they pass this like weird foggy clearing. <gasps> Ooh, you okay? Yeah. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> oh no. I'm dying. Oh no, don't die. But if you do die, I'll put you in the Micmac burial ground. Gross, I don't want it. 
I am convinced that these two assholes are going to put someone else, like a human, in that. <laughs> I th- oh, no. Um, yeah, I actually read some spoilers. I'm not going to say. No, don't say. <laughs> I have a guess. Don't say anything, but I have a guess who it is. Okay, tell me. Yeah. Sorry, we're going off track because of your coughing and possible death. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can cut this part if we don't like it. I think that it's going to be Gage. I think Gage might die, and I think Lewis is going to be so distraught and so called back to the cemetery that he's going to bury Gage there. I'm but don't saying. tell me. I'm not saying. <laughs> John is also so good at not saying anything. He, I like... <laughs> have been yelling at him of like does this happen and he's like i'm not saying a damn thing and i'm like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can't tell you okay don't tell me um i will say though the synopsis that i read is horrifying (laughs) (laughs) oh no what happens (laughs) yeah and i'm really glad i know because otherwise i would be terrified of this book Oh no, and here I thought that I we were like doing okay. I this only proves the point of what we said last episode where like we were like, oh no, this is all just ramping up. I thought we were ramped up, but apparently we're nowhere near ramped. <laughs> no, we're we're nowhere near ramped and like honestly, I don't even think church is like the real villain. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but it does make sense, right? Because when he come when he does come back or even like as they're taught so they do get up to the burial ground and even like mm-hmm. as they're talking about it not even then but like when they come back chud gives this whole synopsis of like the different animals that have come back from that burial ground and he describes only one of them as violent yeah i mean we'll t- we'll tell that story later but he does have yeah. like his the original his original animal that he brought back was his dog when he was like 10 or something like that and he was like yeah I just kind of got used to it he was never the same he was just kind of like slow and clumsy and weird but like he was still my dog oh I I like church the more we talk about it the more I really do I just I just want poor zombie church I'll adopt him I know, right? Because, like, and honestly, like, they, so they bring him, well, Lewis brings him back, and, like, I was immediately, like, expecting him to, like, go on a murderous rampage and, like, kill his whole family. But he he didn't, and it's, like, six months later, and he's, like, yeah, he's still, like, a gross, smelly cat, but, like, he's just (laughs) chilling. Like, he's He's still, he's still a cat. He's just just gross and slow and clumsy (laughs) he's just the inspiration for phoebe's smelly cat song in friends yeah (laughs) he's like that that gross slobbery cat from the 14 tales story that saved the whole town oh guys are we deciding that church is the hero of this book right now (laughs) (laughs) it is true church did not ask to be brought back because that was my last thought in this whole section when lewis was being an asshole and like kicking him and like I feel like he's being overdramatic. Like, not that I... I'm not saying that I'd be super strong in the face of a dead cat brought back to life. I am saying I think I would have more compassion than him because he is just immediately like, it's like you've made this choice. You gotta live. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And also, like, another way they describe it is... I can't remember if... I think it might have been Jed that said this. He was like, yeah, it's like they you know, you bring them back, but you, like, bring them back, like, missing something. So the way I see it is, like, you bring back a body, you're probably not bringing back any sort of, like, spirit that goes with it. So, like, 
church is probably like in the afterlife, you know, whatever you believe in, like the essence of church is gone, but you're bringing back a body. So you're bringing back like a cat that's pure instinct. Like it's oh, just true. like, it's just a standard like predator cat. Like it's not yeah. going to hunt humans. It's too small for that, but it is going to be like a weird kind of creepy like predator because that's what cats are (laughs) that is true i mean we all know as we watch our cats play with like adorable little bb8 stuffed toys that they are envisioning mice and birds that they would toy with Mm -hmm. and torture until their actual demise yeah so yeah no that's a really good point i hadn't thought of that but you're right it does make it seem like the animals that are brought back are bare bones if you will (laughs) (laughs) But just like, right, like the stamp of like a stereotypical, like, this is what a cat is. This is what a dog is. This is what a judge even says someone put a bull there. And that was the one that they said the person killed right after. Because, I mean, bulls are like, I think those are pretty notoriously like mean, mean. or can be at least. Yeah. So maybe that was just a mean one. But Judd even said, mm-hmm. as they're back to our cyclical uh, nature, we're finding our spiral again. <laughs> <laughs> um that and says as they're walking or like as they're starting out because they don't really talk as they're walking but when they first start out Judd is like there's a place and it's okay for animals it's not okay for people like Judd even mm-hmm. kind of lays that out initially um, yeah. or maybe that was after the that fact, was but after. I think that was before oh no, was it, was it it was after and actually it was Lewis that it was after so it was after church came back and mm. Judd told the whole story and Lewis was like uh has anyone ever buried a person there and oh. Judd was like oh good lord like no absolutely oh foreshadowing <laughs> can you hear that oh, oh okay um my room is empty but the litter box is in here and so it's like very echoey with Mushu scraping his paws oh. all over it. <laughs> I actually can hear it now yeah <laughs> damn it Mushu actually this would be a good time I kind of have to pee too do you mind taking a really quick break yeah no that's fine I also just got some really good um, little tiny shadow screaming, like his little meow screams. So maybe I'll put that in there as a little placeholder, too. <laughs> nice. Um, sorry. So you were saying, oh, right. The Judd was telling that Lewis had actually asked, like, has anyone buried people up there? And Judd was like, dear God, no. Yeah, he was like, oh, God, like, that's don't even like suggest it. That's horrific. And Lewis was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, that is horrific. But then as he was leaving, he was like, why do I get the sense that he's lying? That's true. And that goes back to that kind of, like, unreliable character thing of, like, yeah, we kind of got from the beginning that something something was off with Judd. And, like, it, maybe it is true. Maybe it is, you know, more to Stephen King's credit that we don't trust Lewis or that we don't connect with him. Because especially that point, remember that point last section where Lewis was like, oh, I'm not thinking about climbing that tree. That would be so stupid. And then all of a sudden he's like in the fucking tree and you're like, dude, what just happened in your brain? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I will say, too, it was really interesting while we're talking about the scene because that that whole scene is really interesting of them drinking afterwards and judd telling the whole you know basically talking through the whole thing because they don't speak at all we we haven't even finished the burial i know (laughs) i I know there's spiraling out of control we just want to talk about what happened afterwards (laughs) i know guys this is crazy a cat died and got brought back to life remind me let's talk about the lore too because there was a whole thing about the wendigo and that's really interesting Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but yeah so 
as they're so they're walking up they don't speak the, almost the whole way like lewis tries to talk to judd and judd like doesn't speak yeah they hear some like in like a weird past the barrier they have another three mile hike they pass a weird foggy clearing where they hear some like really unnatural sounds that they i don't know at one point someone says it's a bear but i get the impression it's not a fucking bear <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I think um, even Lewis was like uh, what the fuck is that and Judd's like it's just birds and bears don't worry about it and Lewis mm-hmm. is like um it's more uh, human than a bear that's but more wendigo-ish than yeah, a like, bear but I, I guess we'll just wait for it to pass like yeah like okay fine I'll just stand here with my dead cat and be horrified <laughs> yeah exactly and so, yeah, they they do make it up to this second burial ground that I think it's after that Judd, dis- or maybe it's m- small bits while they're there, that it does turn out that um, it's a Mi'kmaq Native American burial ground mm-hmm. um, that was used for centuries. And then the interesting part that I thought was very interesting, but also kind of glossed over was that that Native American tribe that used that ground doesn't use it anymore because they think it's been contaminated by the Wendigo. Which I was like, then why the fuck are you assholes using it? Like, if the people who, like, created this ground, or not even created, but, like, you kind of, I don't know if you got the sense, but I kind of got the sense from that, those couple lines that, like, maybe this was a place where initially people, even people or pets could be brought back to life in, like, a, like, a positive, okay way, but now it's been Mm -hmm. contaminated in a bad way. Or, like, that there was at one point some kind of good magic, but now it's, like, a bad magic. Yeah, that's, yeah, no, that that is kind of the sense that I got, because I think the phrase they used to describe it was that the ground had gone sour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. So that was, I mean, probably why all the animals in, like, church came back smelling so bad, because they're oh. full of, like, gross, oh. sour Wendigo dirt. <laughs> but... Oh my god, you're probably right. Also, that might be the name of the episode. The cat who was filled with gross, sour Wendigo dirt. <laughs> maybe i'll title it something else like the cat who was our our antichrist hero or something something like that (laughs) the cat was supposed to be the villain but we side with more than (laughs) the hero (laughs) yes the cat who even though he was a zombie was better than all the people in the book (laughs) yeah for Uh, sure oh god So, yeah, that was really interesting, I thought. But so that they're only like small little bits of conversation because Judd insists apparently part of the the sort of myth of it is that you have to do the burying yourself. So the only part that Judd helps with is that as Lewis is digging, he pulls rocks out of the pile and they use that later as a I don't know how to say it. A carn? Carn? Um, Thing at the end. I don't know. That like. I don't know the word for it, so I'm not going to be able to pronounce it properly, but it's like (laughs) when you see like in medieval time movies where they like make a grave and then instead of filling it with dirt, they just make like a mound of rocks over it. It's one of those. Well, he does refill it with dirt because he does, but it's, it's like never, that's the, like one of the things that he says, he's like, it's never enough for some reason to like refill a grave with dirt. Yeah. Which was a creepy little factoid. (laughs) Yeah. Which I feel like if you're digging a hole, putting something in it and refilling it with the same dirt, like, shouldn't there be more than enough? 
No, I, that made sense in my head because especially if Judd's pulling out rocks, so like that's a, a level of like density too. And I wonder too mm-hmm. if there's a way that like untouched soil sits and like has been able to like expand and like, you know, kind of settle in in a specific way. And as you're putting it back, like maybe there's just less air in it or less something that kind of like condenses it all. Kind of like like packed brown sugar versus regular brown sugar. Yeah, but... I don't know. I haven't buried anybody. <laughs> I, I, I think that's the opposite. Because when you when it's in a bag, brown sugar is packed. But then when you like pull it out, it fluffs. And then you have right, to like, pack you put it, it again. Yeah, but I wonder if because dirt is heavier, if you're throwing it back in, maybe it's the opposite of brown sugar. Maybe that's what I meant. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Yeah, the the science behind that doesn't make sense. But if he was pulling out rocks from the dirt that Lewis was pulling out, then it does make sense. Yeah, because it did sound like there was at least a small pyramid's worth of rocks that they took out. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't, like even though I don't know the word, I I did understand what they were talking about. So even if we don't yes. pronounce it, <laughs> even if we don't pronounce it right, fair I point. Think, <laughs> I I think it's still understandable. It's like a grave and it's it is filled with dirt but not all the way because there's like a mound of rocks over it in like a body shape yeah and like that i think is part of it too like judd is making very specific moves to be like you know it is even before lewis puts it together and even before judd tells his story it's pretty clear that judd's been there before mm-hmm. and has done this before so like knows the you know magic of it So they do, Lewis does bury church. They do fill it back. Well, Lewis fills it back in. They both kind of create this little rock monument on top. And then I think that's it, right? They just leave after that, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. They just leave. And Lewis was, when they get back, Lewis was like, oh my God, it's been like days. That Like that took forever, but it's only been like, like an hour or two. Yeah, it's still like seven at night. Like it's not even. He thought it was gonna be like three a.m. You know, the witching hour or whatever. And yeah. like it's like yeah, not even like regular dinner time. Yeah. So he, I, yeah, I think they just kind of like they don't really say much. They just kind of like part ways and like go to bed. And that I mean, this might be the point where um, Lewis talks to Ellie and Rachel and Gage no they so he comes back Stephen King really does put a lot of symbolism into this book and a lot of like synchronicity type events because he keeps Judd outside for a little bit asking him questions and Judd is like you asked too many questions and Lewis is like but I have another question and Judd doesn't really answer anything right then I think that was the point where he maybe says something like it's okay for pets it's not okay for people that kind of thing like a little tidbitsy things um and then as they part ways um, the phone's ringing, you know, but we've all like grabbed the phone right as it hangs up. So he only gets to dial tone. And he was like, I I knew that was Rachel and Ellie and Gage. And he was like, I wasn't 100% sure I was ready to talk to them. But then he also mm-hmm. has a moment of like, but I also would have lied to them, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, which he does the next morning. So it's the next, oh, okay. the very next morning that, gotcha. um, the, yeah, the very next thing is, uh, is the call and you're right but what you said earlier is exactly what happened he really does immediately as the conversation unfolds he realizes that he's 
totally comfortable not telling Rachel, totally comfortable when Ellie gets on the phone and is like, how's church, daddy? And he's like, great. Church <laughs> like, is just perfect. Fine. Yeah, he was like, he was fine last night. Put him out this morning. Haven't seen him since. <laughs> yeah, like literally making up like, not even just lying, but like making up casual like stories about it. Yeah, which I think is another milestone down his like p- possible descent into madness, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I'm predicting. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, so yeah that call and then is it right after that that he goes over to judd's and is like hey what the fuck or is it he finds church does he really right after yeah he goes into the garage and he looks over and church is there and he's like oh okay (laughs) like (laughs) like he wasn't i feel like he wasn't surprised at first He was like, oh, you know, like, church. Like, yeah, that seems right. And so he, like, goes over and picks him up. And he's like, oh, yeah, church, great. And, like, church is, like, purring and happy and, you know, seems great. And then he looks down at church's mouth and sees the blood stain from the night before. Like, when he got hit by a car, that was one of the things that he noticed on the, the body he was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, like, it's very intact. Like, it doesn't look damaged. But you see, like, the, the neck has been broken. And, like, he has the the blood, like, coming out, like, staining his fur. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was the point, like, when he sees Church coming back in the garage. He, like, I think his brain was trying to kind of, like, make excuses. Like, yeah. oh, maybe it's a different cat that just looks like Church. Or, like, oh, maybe he wasn't actually dead he was just stunned but then he sees the blood trail and he's like oh no like that's a zombie cat and that's when he was like you know like oh it smells bad and like oh he feels greasy like I don't want to touch him anymore like and he puts him down and kind of like runs (laughs) (laughs) yes he gets very freaked out yeah so I think that's when he goes over to Judd and was like oh what the fuck yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then we get this whole big story. Judd basically go. We actually, you know, it's funny because we do get like two, you know, two people that we don't have a ton of information about, like really unloading in this section because it's right after mm-hmm. that we get Rachel's whole like oh, whole yeah. story about. We'll tell that in a minute. Yeah. But yeah, we get Judd's whole freaking story about. How, why he knows about that burial ground and um, how he found out about it, which Lewis like kind of puts together too, but it is kind of obvious, like from the point that Lewis is like, oh, something wasn't sitting right or like, something, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, oh, it's because Judd initially said that he buried his dog in the, the pet cemetery around the world time of the World Wars, which would have been like 1940, you know, 30s, 40s. But wait, right? 40s? Oh. I think God. it was the, fir- the first World War, so it was, like, 1914. Like, oh, okay. Well, basically, it was, like, the dates didn't match up. Yeah, no, it was... the fact that I don't yeah. know any <laughs> historical... <laughs> History not our thing. Yeah, no, because he said... Because, <laughs> yeah, he... I think earlier in the book, he mentioned burying his dog in the pet cemetery... And he said his dog had died from old age when he was, like, 14 or something like that. When Judd was, like, you know, 14, 15, something in his, like, later mid to late teens. But then when he was telling Lewis about 
how he knew about that spot, he said that he had buried his dog there after he had gotten an infection from getting cotton barbed wire. Oh, right. When he That's was what it was. So it was like, you know, a number of years beforehand and also a different death <laughs> than he had described. Right. Um, right, exactly. It was like Lewis slowly figuring out that the things that we've kind of already figured out, right? Because like we're reading a horror book and Lewis is living a normal, well, about to not be normal, but living a life, right. which is that like Judd's stories didn't match up. And so that's sort of what the story that then Judd fills in all of those blanks with um, when Lewis goes over. And Lewis, I think, is it Lewis that gets pretty drunk? Because then Judd gets drunk later when Norma dies. Yeah, I can't remember who gets drunk when. I mean, they're both basically both just like boozing, <laughs> bo- boozing each other, uh, boozing it up. So, yeah, Lewis, I think, is basically like, because there's also a lot of talk about like, did we make the right decision? And Judd is basically being like, I think we made the right decision, but also says a lot of like weird things about like, but what is the right decision? Like, it has to be right in your heart and like, blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, I, I don't think, know. It sounded like a lot of nonsense. <laughs> I think, no, for sure. I think Judd was like a little bit full of shit because the first time, because the first explanation he had, it was like, oh, that's like kind of philosophical. And like, maybe he is like a wise old man. And because he, he said something about like, you know, why would I do it if church was going to, like, come back, you know, weird and, like, clumsy and Ellie wasn't going to like him anymore? Like, well, you know, you have to, like, teach them about death at some point and, like, sometimes, like, things are better left dead and she needs to, you know, learn that and, I don't know, like, circle of life kinds of things and, like, by the time he actually does pass away, like, she'll be fine with it. But then, like, within the next like paragraph he's like you know what i just wanted to fucking tell someone about the cemetery (laughs) yeah literally then he like kind of starts crying a little bit and it's like but that place has a hold on you and like once you know it you have to tell other people and it's like oh so like you just justified everything because you got hooked in by this like magical place you weren't supposed to go (laughs) right he was like you justify it however you need to like you'll come up with your own excuse but like I just you know saw your dead cat and knew that I could take you there yeah and you know it's interesting because Judd's story of going to the the burial ground isn't that interesting necessarily like it's basically the exact same thing that happens that we just saw happen. We just hear in mm-hmm. story form of it happening with Judd with the town. It was the town drunk that took Judd up to the burial ground because he had been there. And then the interesting part that we get is that like juxtaposition of Judd or um this like town drunk guy. I forget his name. Immediately being either, but he was actually part of that Native American tribe. I think. Oh, was he? I think so. Oh, that's interesting. I think it was one of those, like, like some people knew of the secret, but, like, like there are only a handful of people who had, like, been there before, but, like, everyone knew that he was the only one who was, like, crazy enough to take anyone. Yeah, that's actually what I was just going to say, because as soon as Judd gets back, like, they, it's, right, uh, same uneventful as with Lewis and Judd as with Judd and this town drunk that takes him up there after his dog dies of the infection initially um, when Judd gets back and when the dog comes back, cause it was his dad that actually killed the dog because the dog was like really suffering. And so the yeah, dad like had a, actually an old yeller scene. Oh God. Yeah. That was not 
super fun. But so it was, uh, as soon as the dog comes back, the dad knows what happened. Like Judd didn't even have to tell him. The dad already know Judd's dad already knows about the burial ground, already knows that that must have happened. But, mm-hmm. and like Judd, right, kind of differentiates it being like, my dad knew about it, but hadn't been there. So like he was smart enough and like not like held by this like place to be like, oh yeah, we should go there. <laughs> but mm-hmm. because this other guy had been there before, he was the one that was like, oh, I have a solution to your your little uh, dog, dead dog problem here. Mm-hmm. And he said, he did say like the upshot of that story is that that dog lived and died until like of old age. You know, they all were a little bit relieved when it happened, but the dog was mostly fine for the rest of its life, his life. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it was just kind of the the same thing of like what we said before, where he described it as like, you know, still my dog, but it was just kind of like clumsy and weird and gross his whole life or the rest which, of his whole life. Again, I would take that dog in. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start a rescue for all the pet cemetery zombie dogs and cats. Yeah, because they don't seem violent. Mm-mm. I mean, so far. <laughs> I mean, true, so far. I do, I have to say, I do think they're kind of ramping up on, you know, church has been killing like mice and like so, some little bigger things. And then the crow is like the biggest thing that he's killed so far. So I do think they are kind of like hinting that church could kill big things too. But I also think you're right. I think Church is not the main villain here. Yeah. I mean, I think Church is probably, I mean, I think if they had been nicer to Church, then he wouldn't be so murdery. <laughs> but they're being <laughs> mean to him. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. You know what? It's just like any animal, like, it's still an animal. If you're going to be a dick to it, it's going to be a dick to you back. Like, right. you got to be nice to your zombie pets. Yeah, and that's, like, that was, honestly, when Lewis kicked Church for killing that crow, oh. I, like, my first thought was, like, oh, that cat's gonna fuck you up, buddy. <laughs> like, you just made a very bad enemy out of a very dead zombie cat. <laughs> it is true. Both times Lewis was a dick to Church, um, it's described as Church giving him, like, a hateful like yellow-eyed glare and every single time both times I was like you know what good like I'm not even scared I'm just I'm on the cat side yet again yeah but like at the same time I was like you could just be nice to him and maybe he wouldn't be so creepy to you right it is your fault that he's not in like some cat heaven right now right Exactly. And it's also your fault that he came back to, like, a mean owner. Right. Everything is your fault, Lewis. Everything is your (laughs) fault, Lewis. (laughs) That's our version of everything's coming up, Millhouse. Everything is your fault, Lewis. (laughs) your fault, Lewis. New merch. (laughs) New merch. Oh, God. There are a couple other, like, spooky things that happen. My The one thing that one, like, image that I keep having is from that night. So I think that really the next, nothing else too notable happens. Um, there is kind of like an otherworldly like soreness that Lewis has the next day. He's like, it's, I think it's because it's supposed to be because he didn't feel real, you know, like as they're walking over the barrier, he doesn't really feel a ton of pressure or like, you know, it's easier for him to walk. I think it's supposed to be that he feels all of that the next day because he's like extra sore and Judge says that happened to him too. 
So I think that's like a side effect of, you know, like using this like magical place. Um, and then I think not a ton happens until Rachel and Ellie and Gage come back mm-hmm. from Thanksgiving. And so when they come back, that night that they come back is kind of a shit show because Gage like is like about he's like starts getting a cold or no a virus um as they're coming back and he i did think it was really funny every he thinks that something you know like the way kids like associate weird things with weird things mm-hmm. he every time he he like starts vomiting and every time he vomits he says pretty and so he keeps being like <laughs> pretty <laughs> gross which is great yeah. um but yeah by the time he gets back um like a couple things are happening like Lewis is kind of chasing church around the house like he puts church out for the night and then he shows up in Ellie's room Ellie calls him to her room and Lewis thinks it's because um she wants church and church isn't there and it's actually because church is there and Ellie wants him put out because he's being creeped but not that he's being creeped he just smells bad yeah so even well even before that when they first get home ellie like the first thing ellie does is like runs to find church because she actually the night that church died she actually had a dream (gasps) that he had gotten hit by a car i forgot about that yeah so that's like the first like kind of scene you see of them coming back ellie's like where's church is he okay i like i had a terrible dream that he died and lewis is like well i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) i know and for being as like blindsided by that as he was like he did all it together pretty creepily well yeah so he he was like oh no like don't worry church is fine here he is and their their reunion was, I mean, Ellie was, like, super relieved to see him and, like, grabs him and is like, oh, George, I'm so glad you're okay. And then, like, immediately realizes something's wrong and, like, puts mm-hmm. him back down and is like, okay, like, moving on. So okay. she's, like, I think pretty immediately realizes, like, that's, like, not her cat anymore. Right. So ever since, I mean, after that, it seems like she's, you know, not interested in in sleeping with him. And like, as time progresses, that gets a little bit better. And they, this is kind of like, I mean, a lot of time progresses between that and like the end of um, the section that we read. It was like several months. Well, it was, but a lot uh, that other the other things that happened that same night uh, even after um uh Louis has that moment where he was like oh I don't know how church got back into this house they mm-hmm. also have a near-death experience with Gage which I feel like is kind of foreshadowing uh-huh. which is why mm-hmm. I also I'm like I think Gage might die um because Gage had gotten such a bad fever so like simultaneously while Lewis is like uh so they yeah, I don't. Sorry, I'm like spiraling again and like trying to find my point on the spiral. <laughs> um, so while Lewis is dealing with Church and Ellie, Rachel has Gage and has decided that Gage needs to sleep with her. He's gotten sicker. They Lewis is obviously a doctor, so he's like given him, you know, some medicine. And Rachel is like, "Is that enough? Should you be giving?" You know, they had like a little tiff about that. Not a big, not a real one, just like uh, a thing. And um. Lewis makes up a bed downstairs because for some reason their bed is not big enough for him, Rachel, and a toddler. I wasn't sure of that whole situation. But so he didn't want to get sick. Oh, that makes (laughs) sense. To be honest, he was like, you're going to get sick from this kid. And she was like, meh. That's a good point. That's actually probably what it is. Yeah, you're right. No, you're totally right. 
Um, so he decides to sleep downstairs. Uh, he like pulls out the little pull-out bed, and um, he he like falls asleep. And he does he have? A, I feel like he has a bad dream, but I don't remember what it is. But um, he wakes up to church, and he even says like church hasn't per church used to be like a really intense like he would purr all the time church hasn't purred since he's been back but lewis wakes up to church curled up on his chest purring (laughs) and like kind of glaring at him meant to be creepy but also at the same time i was like maybe if you were just nice to him (laughs) yeah because he like basically like throws him off of him and i was like yeah if you were nice to your zombie cat i don't know maybe he would be nice to you back i don't know i don't know how this works i'm just saying Maybe he would sleep on you and purr and not try to kill you. So as that's happening, Rachel, the reason that Lewis wakes up at all is because Gage is upstairs choking. And so um, Lewis wakes up to church on him. So it's almost like a weird death omen-ish kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like as as he wakes up, he like runs upstairs and finds Rachel kind of holding Gage, but Gage is um, I think it must be like he's choking on his own vomit maybe, or like a tongue like mm-hmm. they said maybe he swallowed his tongue but he's like choking so intensely that he can't get any oxygen so um, Lewis has to do like a baby Heimlich on him and then like vomit sprays everywhere and it's gross but um, he does live, at least for now but um, yeah, they have like a little moment where Rachel death averse Rachel is like he came close to dying didn't he and Lewis is like oh this is dangerous territory for us to be talking about but like I think his answer was even like we're all close like we're we're just close that's it could happen to any of us anytime basically yeah no for sure which like I thought that was really interesting like having church be like such a so like there and present and creepy while Gage was possibly about to die was probably (laughs) probably significant in some way shape or form (laughs) yeah maybe um but you're right it then it goes like weeks months after that it goes to new year's eve where they see the crandles um and then it goes to i think it's late january when norma dies i think that's the next thing right yeah i think so and like during that time they kind of I mean, Lewis is kind of describing it as, like, he's, you know, church is still gross and, like, life is going on, but, like, we're just kind of getting used to it kind of thing. So, like, nothing really significant happens with church. Yeah, no. Except him and, like, obviously it's not back to normal, but, like, he was even saying, you know, like, yeah, Ellie, like, you know, doesn't like to sleep with him anymore, but she, like, you know, cuddles with him on the couch sometimes and, like, it's not totally back to normal but it's like getting there we're like accepting it right and it's not like bad like it's just not uh, not what it was and then right and then it's like one morning lewis leaves for work and it's almost like as soon as he gets to work he gets a call from rachel that norma has died and so then we get a, a lot i think a whole chapter is um uh lewis over at judd's helping him go through all the funeral arrangements and um Lewis kind of watching Judd in in some semblance of awe being like you're handling this really well you're mourning you're sad but you're also like he also compares the two when they saw the Crandalls on New Year's Eve he says that he could he could kind of tell that Norma was in her last days because she just looked the way like she I think it was described as like looking kind of 
you know, transparent almost, kind of like wispy and but, but yeah, yeah. She was described as like yeah, yeah. something kind of it missing, wasn't which even, was like interesting. Yeah, it wasn't even like her arthritis looked bad. It was just like she looked bad. Yeah. And Lewis says that in relation to like Judd doesn't look like that now. Like he was kind of being like, you know, sometimes you hear about, you know, older couples going at the same time or around the same time. And he was like, I don't think that's going to happen. He was kind of watching Judd being like, is that going to happen? And then was like, no, no, he doesn't look like that. Yeah, no, he he like tested Judd a little bit. I think it was like the night of when he had the when he was talking with Judd for the first time, he was kind of like like testing him sort of through conversation being like, you know, do I, you know, sense his faculties going, you know, is he using like present tense when he should be using past tense or, you know, like all of those things. And he's like, no, actually he seems like still with it. Like he seems, you know, older and sadder, but like he's, you know, still healthy, still has his, his mind together. So not worried about Jet yet. No. And the, I think the last thing in this is Rachel's story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so they, they're they getting ready for the funeral because obviously Norma's going to have a funeral. And I can't remember how it comes up. I think it might have been Rachel that brought it up. Oh, yeah, I think she initially brought it up because then by the end of the story, she's like, so now you understand why I can't go to Norma's funeral. So it kind of is like a twofold reason. Like, I think she kind of needed to say all of it just to get it out, too. Because I don't think she's told anyone else before. Which, like, girl, get a therapist. <laughs> Not to be mean, but, God, they're great. Everyone could use therapy. You definitely seem to need a therapist. Yeah, for sure. And, like, maybe it's just a different time. But, like, I can't oh, imagine going through, like, that much of my... Cause, her sister died when she was eight. Yeah. And I'm assuming now she's like in at least late 30s, early 30s, mid 30s, in her yeah. 30s. <laughs> I think they're a little younger of a couple, but I, like for, oh. you know, well, I assume parents are, but like I think they're in like their at least mid 30s, I think. Yeah. Like that's a long time to be holding on to like such a traumatizing event. And like, the way she describes it to Lewis and, like, the thing that he says to make her feel better, like, when I read through it, I was like, oh, my God, any, like, literally anyone could have told you that it wouldn't take a doctor. Like, if she could have right. voiced that to even, like, a close friend, you know, like, this would have solved so many issues, like, so long ago. Right. It really is the kind of thing that, like, you see logically if you're outside of it, but if you're inside of it, it's kind of, I think it looked like the same way that like anxiety works, you know, where like, or at least sometimes in my brain where it's like some part of you is rational and is like, I know the logic of this situation is this way, but my, my brain and like everything else is telling me that this is the case. And so it kind of sounds similar to that with her of like, I know that logically I was eight years old and I could not have saved my sister, but Everything from that experience tells me that she hates me. She's coming back as a ghost. Kill me. I'm going to get meningitis. I'm going to die that way. So basically the story is pretty horrific. She was, yeah, she was eight years old. Her sister got spinal spinal meningitis? Spinal meningitis. Yes. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, I think so. Because it twists your spine. Like, I think it, Mm -hmm. like, contorts your body in a crazy way. 
And it yeah, was like it very sounded, slow death. Yeah, it sounded incredibly horrific and the way they, they described it. I mean, obviously he had somewhat of a... I mean, Stephen King's not a doctor, is he? Like, No, but I imagine at this point he probably has enough clout that people were like he probably had a good enough um enough editor. experience well or um a consultant like someone giving him enough information uh, mm-hmm. to have that information as accurate i would assume i could be wrong yeah, though that's fair but yeah it's described very intensely like she basically has like a slow death at home like they don't have her in a hospital they have her in like a weird back room of a house they that her parents still live in and they mm-hmm. like yeah very, like Kind of the theme of like secret garden yeah yeah it really is it's like a hidden someone who's sick and like they're still at home and like the family's trying to take care of them and like kind of i don't know i don't actually remember secret garden very well but i do this is definitely like the family's trying to take care of her and like not doing so hot a job yeah they definitely had not they didn't have like nurses helping they had like Rachel like eight-year-old Rachel helping and like that's kind of it that's like one of the things that Lewis was like really outraged about because he was like you're feeling like so guilty about something but like you were eight years old and you were the only one home when your sister died like that is like a traumatizing and b like completely unacceptable yeah that's actually exactly what I was gonna say yeah that like Lewis does get mad at all points because logically looking at the situation it's like oh no that's incredibly fucked that you were put in that situation and like no you can't you do have the right to be mad at your parents mad at the situation like it is not it's not only not your fault but like you have leeway here to be incredibly upset about what happened to you not about what you caused to happen to anyone else if that makes any sense yeah but also like I think a part of what was so upsetting for her about it was that like the the way the disease progressed with her sister it like turned I mean like physically kind of turned her into like a little bit of a like monster-esque creature from like Mm. an eight-year-old's perspective but it also like the way that she was acting because I mean her sister was only 10 when this happened too so like she didn't obviously didn't like like approach this like dying phase of her life with the like grace and maturity of an adult so she you know reacted like a 10 year old would and she was kind of like just like I don't know how would you describe it like she was just super acting out in the way that, like, any kid yeah. would have given, like, unfair circumstances, you know? Like, right, like, upset to the point of, like, lashing out at the people taking care of her. Right, because, like, when you're, I, I feel like it's hard, I mean, I wouldn't, definitely would not know, so take this with a giant grain of salt, but I feel like given that situation, it's probably hard to get to any sense of, like, true, like, self-awareness or, like, gratitude for any sort of you know family support maybe or I mean even in that sense but especially when you're a kid like Mm -hmm. there's just no way like Rachel at one point describes her feelings as like because she's literally there her parents go out for um basically a party I think it's Passover and so her family leave her parents leave Mm -hmm. and she's the only one in the house when her sister is like 
literally screaming. And the reason that she knows her sister has is dying, actually dying, like in the moment, is because she stops screaming. So Rachel goes in, has to like pull her over and like has some like superhuman strength moment where she like contorts her, like pulls her back from like a weird contorted posture to the point where she actually like rips her blouse like she's pulling so hard the armpits of her blouse rip out mm-hmm. then the extra scene is that like it takes a while a little bit longer but her sister does die she starts choking and dies and Rachel like does all she can to help but she's literally eight like what else do you would you right. do when you're eight mm-hmm. and so I guess a neighbor finds her like screaming that her sister's dead in the street so like there's definitely some mental damage that has happened if you are running through the streets streets with like ripped clothes and screaming like yeah for sure I think like another part of her like not wanting to talk about and feeling really guilty is that like when her sister started choking and started dying like she had been so I don't I don't want to say a burden but like to an eight-year-old like she was like it was so much responsibility for Rachel and it was so like she was so like mean to her and just like it was like a hard time that when she started choking Rachel was like "Ooh, like I hate that I'm feeling this way but like I'm a little relieved yeah exactly and so I think she was like not just aside from having a traumatizing experience she felt like a terrible person because of it and going back to um going back to zelda her sister and the way she was acting rachel saw it as like if they're like she felt so guilty because she was not only because she was like quote unquote the healthy one i mean not even quote unquote she was literally (laughs) the healthy child Mm -hmm. um but also like yeah she said a couple interesting things she was like you know, Zelda was in a place, obviously she's 10, obviously she doesn't fully understand what's happening. It's very clear that, like, there's no child psychologist that is up to this job. Her Their parents aren't doing a good job. So Zelda also, and, like, also I feel like these kind of feelings would be very natural to have. Um, Rachel says, I, do, I don't think my sister wanted me. She thought that her sister wanted her dead and would have murdered her. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she had all these like dreams of Zelda coming back and like murdering her and like killing her trying to take her body and she says I don't think Zelda would have actually killed me I think she did want me dead and I think if there was wanted me dead instead of her and I think if there was a way for her in that moment to have taken my body and given me like over to death you know I think she would have done that Rachel says which is also kind of a really yeah, yeah, super fucked and, like, also a weird parallel to, like, what has happened so far with George. Right. And also, like, kind of creepier. Yeah. Than, yeah. like, actually being murdered. I don't know. Like, <laughs> if you feel the same way, but I would almost rather be, like, hunted down than, like, swapped bodies with someone oh, yeah. dying. You know? Like, yeah. ooh, that just feels, like, weird magically unavoidable kind of thing well it does also feel too like you don't get some semblance yeah it's violating and it's like you might not like if you do believe in like an afterlife or like you know if you're if you're just going to die not like just but I mean in terms of this book just going to die um if you're if you're going to die 
in a natural or unnatural way, whether if you believe in the afterlife or if you don't, like there's like a finality to it, I think. But if you're mm-hmm. the way that Rachel describes it, it's like there's some kind of like something that's unnatural, like who knows what happens to you after. I mean, who knows what happens to anyone after anyway, but it's also like if there's that kind of like weird you know magical thing happening it's like who who extra knows what's <laughs> happening to anyone anything afterwards so right yeah I think it just I mean if it's hard for us to even describe as like moderate adults it's like how the fuck do children even process any of this so I think that's right. kind of the biggest point <laughs> for sure yeah and then she had some like so on top of like her trauma she also had like some weird trauma with her like she well she had to like deal with her parents trauma too because they were like also probably feeling guilty and like extra protective of her because you know she was the only one left and so she had some like weird issues to deal with them too which she kind of like mildly addressed but probably not enough probably not enough no yeah it seems like she hasn't addressed much of this like this felt like a first step and like you know who knows if it happens in the next half of the book but in, if she if she survives this book in the next like 10 20 years she could get you know really mad at her parents because she's unearthed all of this and realizes how unfair they were to her and right you know the part that got me the most too is actually not even necessarily her parents being so terrible because that seemed kind of like a foregone conclusion but the part that got me so mad is that they actually brought, they did bring in some some kind of doctor because she was having so many, like, quote-unquote behavioral problems afterwards. That does get a quote-unquote because she was clearly dealing with a ton, like, probably more than her parents, I would assume, because she literally went, like, watched her sister die and is dealing with all these, like, crazy emotions. Mm-hmm. Crazy in the sense of, like, intense, not, you know, right. meaning anything else. And this doctor comes in and basically just tells her, like, to act better because oh by the like don't you realize your sister just died and it's like the most condescending uh, yeah. shit. And, <laughs> oh, she's like yeah actually that's the bane of my entire life right now so thank you so much for pointing it out right oh god so yeah that was that was that intense story and lewis uh yeah. lewis does do a good job of listening i will say and uh also gives her a valium <laughs> yeah <laughs> helpful <laughs> Which seemed kind because she does sleep better and then like kind of wakes up halfway through the night and is like, you know, clearly the volume is worn off and like, you know, she's unearthed a lot. So she's like, you know, having a really rough time sleeping after that. And he kind of mm-hmm. holds her all night. So um, he does do at least a good job there. But I think also kind of still thinking about church, like there was a point where he like almost snapped at her and it was also kind of because of what he did. And I forget exactly what that point was. Yeah, I can't remember either. Yeah, but either way, like, it, it was interesting because it's always like, I feel like Lewis always does like, mostly a good job. And then there's something that's like, oh, but there's still that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I think that's mostly it. That was the last, that was mm-hmm. in the last like leading right up to the end of the uh, chapter 32. So we mm-hmm. are starting in next, next section at chapter 33. Yep. And now I'm extra terrified. I don't, don't tell me your spoilers because I do kind of want to terrify myself and scream about it next time. But mm-hmm. oh, God, I'm so scared now. I really thought yeah. I was doing okay, too. I was like, oh, I'm doing great. I even read at night one time. I was like, okay, this is a little creepy, but I'm doing all right. 
Yeah, it's because it, it hasn't really been scary up to this point. It's been, like, a little creepy, but, like, mostly Lewis has just been terrible. So it's, like, easy to write off the scary parts as, like, this guy just sucks. <laughs> right. You're, you kind of got this coming, and we also kind of want to adopt your zombie cat from you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, the terrifying creature at this point is, like, a cat that I'm siding with. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes same that is our conclusion so far we will see how that changes next episode (laughs) um yeah well thanks so much for listening guys that's the end of that section we should you know we really haven't been using the phrase enough and that's the end of that chapter i don't know what that's from but i feel like we should have been using that from the beginning that's the end of that chapter that sounds like a, a simpsons thing it does doesn't it i'll ask john he would probably know yeah um well thank you guys so much for listening i hope you guys are all having happy spooky times Um, yeah we have two more spooky episodes of pet cemetery yeah we uh, we really thought we were gonna get this done by halloween (laughs) i know we did we really at this point are uh, we are just much more a bi-weekly podcast than we are a weekly podcast we're sorry guys i know and you know full-time move-in situations like julia is right now situations womp womp yeah but we're still bringing it to you loving it doing it and uh yeah i'm really excited to finish this book and uh scream about everything that i'm gonna be so terrified of yeah 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 (laughs) also halloween advent might be paused (laughs) fair point for a while because my move is taking over my life but i do want to do 31 costumes so if i have to go into november i will oh julia i love that i think we should extend halloween just until we see fit (laughs) yeah because obviously we couldn't make uh pet cemetery happen by halloween i'm not gonna make it to 31 costumes by halloween so (laughs) we're just gonna extend we're gonna extend halloween into november and it's just gonna be fine (laughs) guys you heard it here first halloween is now extended until at least november 15th we'll decide after that (laughs) yeah i do have a costume for Halloween that I'm actually Ooh. very excited about and I hope I can make the picture happen. It involves Chuni, so it's like Aww. gonna be real hit or miss. <laughs> oh, fair, fair. Well, I, Whether... I honestly like the ones where Chuni is like apart but also like kind of Ruin- ruining it. <laughs> yeah, I think those were like the funniest. I did also do a costume too, which um, you guys can see on this week's episode of And That's Why We Drink. Ooh. Um, also, you'll have to be a real Switch or gaming nerd because it's Stardew Valley related. <laughs> nice. Also, we have some uh, some pictures of Chuni and his new costumes because uh, <gasps> if no one has been to Michael's yet, pet costumes are 70% off this week. Oh, thank God. Oh, yeah. Can I post those for? Yeah. Those okay, were go. to make up for the fact that my costumes are being paused. <laughs> Oh, sorry. They were in the family chat, so I didn't know if that was like sacred territory. Oh, I know no, no, our no. chat. Those are those are the <laughs> those are the uh, the only pictures I took. So take them and use them. Oh, fair. Okay, guys, there are four great Juni costumes that I'm gonna post. Um, yeah, soon. So to yeah. be on the lookout for that. And yeah, as you as I 
um, alluding to, you can find us online where you can see Julia's, all of Julia's amazing costumes up until this point, and also mostly otherwise just pictures of our cats. Um, <laughs> we're on Instagram and Twitter at Paranormal Captivity Pod on Instagram and Paranormal Pod on Twitter. And uh, yeah, feel free to reach out and uh, let us know what you think. Feel free to like uh, any of my Halloween Advent costumes except for Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, Julia is oddly defensive that Britney Spears not win the most like <laughs> costume of them all. I don't, I don't know why. That's like <laughs> probably one of the ones that I did better, but it was also the most painful. And so I'm like bitter about it. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's not winning at this point. I think it's um, it's either Carrie Fisher or I think it's it might be Carrie Fisher at this point, which is rightfully winning. That one is I maybe mean, my that favorite. Absolutely, should be winning because Carrie Fisher is the best. Um, I think Ugh. it might still be Britney Spears. I've been checking like daily because I'm a little obsessed with it. Guys, Julie's a little bit obsessed, so show her what you like or don't yeah. like on on, on the lines. <laughs> Yeah. Also, I'm just like really kind of curious why Britney Spears is winning. Like, I get the nostalgia piece, but like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's not one of my favorites that I'm like, but why? I'm just <laughs> very curious why it's so popular. Julie, don't you know that's the epitome of all uh, all social media? It's just <laughs> you could plan out the perfect post and it wouldn't get any likes, or and everyone's gonna could, like something else. <laughs> yeah, you could throw up a random picture of the ground, and it that is the one yeah all right that's fair i guess i mean but it doesn't even have a cat in it <laughs> it is all about the cats for us it is all about the cats i mean britney spears is great too britney spears is great too no shade no shade at yeah all, all right bye, bye. bye.